Hello and welcome to Zen Meditation Cafe. This is your host, Cristiano Potamianos. I am a meditation facilitator and a registered massage therapist, owner of the Zen Massage here in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Now, these podcasts are dedicated to bringing people's awareness on how meditation can lead to ultimate mental wellness. I myself have been practicing now for 20 years, and I gotta say the first 10 years I practiced Tibetan Buddhism under the guidance of a Tibetan Buddhist Lama, and then I slowly transitioned to Zen 10 years ago, and that has been my practice ever since. And I would like to share my experience, my insights, uh, some techniques, and some of the Buddhist teachings that um, helped me along this journey. Some of our episodes are going to be about meditation, some of them are going to be guided meditations itself, and I hope you get inspired and uh, put these uh, teachings to apply on your life. I would also like to uh, keep an open channel of communication, so if you ever want to reach out, our email is zenmeditationcafe at gmail.com. So one word, zenmeditationcafe at gmail.com. You can send questions, you can share your insights or your experiences, and then we go from there. And if you live here in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, uh, you are more than welcome to join one of our meditation sessions. So shoot us an email to learn more about it. And even if you don't live here, well, shoot us an email anyway, let's keep in touch. And um, maybe in the future we can do something online. So I hope you like our first uh, episode, our first introductory episode. And um, so sit back, relax, and enjoy. Often when I talk to people about meditation, I always kind of have the feeling that there is a slight misunderstanding of what meditation is and what is not. And also, mainly, I would say, uh, the benefits of medi- of meditation. I feel that they are often underrated and uh, overlooked. And meditation can be a very powerful tool of change. Um, and I'm talking about strong psychological changes in one person. Overcoming fear, overcoming anger, stress, anxiety, helping uh, overcome addictions of alcohol and other substances, as well as even overcoming traumas of the past. Uh, And all that is possible because basically meditation brings you to a state of thoughtless awareness, a pure state of consciousness in which your mind stops and when the mind stops, Your ego stops and all your frustrations, all the emotions that we just talked about also stop. And all of a sudden you see yourself from a way broader perspective that before you didn't imagine it was possible. Meditation itself is way more than breathing exercises, reciting mantras, doing visualizations and so on. All these can be steps, like preparatory steps towards meditation. Meditation actually comes from Buddhism and there is a Sanskrit word called dhyana. And dhyana was the very last step of a path of eight steps that the Buddha laid out when he reached enlightenment. Uh, So the very last step is called dhyana, which was translated to English as right meditation. 
Now, the very step before that is right concentration. So we also see that concentration is not meditation. In concentration, you usually use the mind and you you make an effort with the mind. You focus your attention on an object, be it a visual object or an auditory object or whatever object it is, can be your breathing, can be a mantra, can be a visualization. And when our attention is focused on one object, we ignore everything else, everything else that happens, that it can be perceived through the other senses. And that kind of creates like a laser point sort of attention. Now, this is a good um, step towards meditation, like I said, because it kind of gives you some sort of control over your mind. But meditation, dhyana, actually is way beyond that. In, in dhyana, meditation, we don't actually do anything. The word dhyana in Sanskrit means a state that you are into. So it's not something that you do. It's not a doing. It is a state that you put yourself into. And what is this state? A state of thoughtless awareness. But in this state of thoughtless awareness, you're not focusing on one thing. You're not focusing on the breathing or on a sound or a mental image or a mantra or anything. You're simply open to existence. Whatever existence brings to you through all your five senses, plus the mind and plus the emotions and feelings, you simply, you simply allow them to be without imposing your will into them, without labeling, without judging. You simply allow existence to throw at you whatever exists, existence wants at that very specific moment. So when you put yourself in dhyana, into this state of awareness, you don't even fight your thoughts. You allow your thoughts to happen. This is something that I hear people say a lot. Oh, I cannot meditate because I cannot empty my mind. Well, if you could, you, will, you would already be in meditation. You would already be in a perfect state of dhyana. Now, we don't need to fight thoughts. We don't need to repress or deny thoughts or emotions, for that matter. All you have to do is simply allow them to be and witness them. Now, this witnessing, this word witness is important because when you witness, you just observe without engaging, without feeding. And ultimately, that's what dhyana meditation is all about. You are aware, you are open, you allow existence to bring whatever comes and you just witness, you just stand aloof to them, aware of them, but aloof to them. So in this very last step, when the Buddha taught, we simply get rid of the sense of control, the sense of effort, and we simply relax into existence. That's why Zen is, very, is usually associated with relaxation, because... It is relaxation. You relax into your own being. You, are, you, are, you allow yourself to be whatever you are. You don't impose anything on yourself. You don't impose technique. You don't impose ideas. 
You don't impose conditions, goals, nothing. You simply remain loose, relaxed and natural. Simply witnessing. So this is the practice of meditation in Zen, which is also known as Zazen. When you practice like this, witnessing whatever existence is bringing to you in a multidimensional state, what I mean by multidimensional is because you are aware of all the senses at all times, as well as aware of the mind and the emotions and the energy that you're feeling. So you are this multidimensional awareness and you are witnessing everything that is going on. As you practice like that, slowly and slowly it comes a certain realization that existence is a dance of phenomena, a multidimensional dance of phenomena that hits all the senses plus the mind plus our emotions. And amidst this dance, there is a presence, there is a witnessing presence that is beyond all this dance. This presence also does not get affected by all these dance. It allows all this dance of phenomena to happen. It gives the space to it, but does not get tainted by it. So in Zen, we say that this space, this witnessing presence is like the sky. The sky is infinite, it's empty, it's a space itself, it's a, it allows everything to happen, but does not get tainted by whatever happens in it. So all the vagaries of perception that we perceive and experience through the senses plus the mind and our emotions, they are like clouds in this vast sky of awareness, this presence. And it is within this presence that lies the key to end all of our suffering. Because this is then realized as the center of our being, the true nature of our being. is the source of life itself. It's where creativity and spontaneity come. And it is completely free from any mental scenarios, mental constructs, labeling, judging, intellectualization, concepts, ideas. It's beyond the personification of the ego. And when we come to realize this dimension of presence, of awareness, we feel a great joy, we feel a great sense of bliss and contentment, security, and we see that we have been looking for that all along, but we had been looking in the wrong places. We've been looking at the clouds, thinking that the clouds were going to be the source of those things. So that's why we have been distracted, we have been going back and forth, thinking that we were going to find in external conditions this source of happiness, of security, of safety. And in looking at these external conditions, we started becoming more and more identified with the mind. Now, the mind, when we look at the mind, we start noticing that the mind is nothing but a social byproduct. The mind is made up of conceptualizations, plans, 
labels, ideas, identification with ideas that then become ideologies, convictions, a whole array of likes and dislikes. And all these come with contact and relationship with the world, but we take them as ourselves. We take these impressions, these sensations, this identification with forms as our own identity. And with that identification, then we start forming mental scenarios in which our egos are the center character of these mental scenarios. And when the ego is praised, there is a sense of pride. When the ego is threatened, there is fear, there is anger. When the ego wants to accomplish things in the future and wants to move towards goals, it creates anxiety, fear of failure. So we start seeing that all of our emotions then derive from these mental scenarios in which the ego identify with. And the mind creates that so perfectly well because it creates and perceives objects simultaneously. So that kind of gives the impression of an external reality that is beyond you. It gives them the illusion that you are separate from the world, that there is an intrinsic identity in your ego, and then there is the world out there. And the mind does that very in a very subtle way. And you can see that happening even now. If you close your eyes and you imagine an object in front of you, you have the impression that, yes, there is an observer here and that there is an external object outside. Even with your eyes closed, just visualizing, visualizing an object, whatever object it is, you have this impression of this separation of object and observer. But since you have your eyes closed and you are imagining this object, you are visualizing this object, you can see that experience of object and observer, they happen in the same field of consciousness. They arise in the same experience at the same moment. So they are together. They are interconnected, they are interdependent on each other. You can see the same things happening in the dream. In the dream, you also see yourself separate from the world that surrounds you. And those circumstances, those mental scenarios, then drive your emotions. At one point, you are happy in a dream, or sometimes you are suffering because you are afraid, or you can even feel anxiety in a dream. And it's the same process in the waking life. You see yourself identified with form, with body, and mind, all the conceptualizations of the world. And when you see yourself like that, you take that as your identity. And therefore you fluctuate with the differences of mental scenarios and situations that they bring. When through meditation, the mind stops and you fall back into the realization that you are the sky, you see that mind is simply a tool, it's simply part of your being. Just the same way that your limbs are part of your being.
But when you take a part of your being as a whole, then confusion starts. So, for example, you say that you are your mind, you are your ego. It would be the same thing as being as saying that you are your hand, you are your legs. No, those things are part of you, but they are not the whole of you. And so it's the same thing with the mind. The mind is a very instrumental device in which we use in order to be operational in the world. Uh, like right now, in order for me to be communicating here with you, I'm using words, I'm using concepts. But the moment I'm not using them, I rest in awareness and I let awareness take me. Because awareness will take me to live moment to moment. It's a little bit like, I always like the movie Forrest Gump as an example because the, the character of Tom Hanks in that movie, Forrest, he lives life moment to moment. There, he also uses mind every now and then when he thinks about something or even like when he remembers his, uh, his girlfriend. But mostly, he's always like moment to moment. He simply responds to what the existence is bringing to him and he goes with the flow of life. He doesn't make plans. He, he doesn't brood about the past. His actions are always fresh, always spontaneous. And when that happens, there is a synchrony with life. And life supports his actions. And then everything without him wanting to accomplish, he accomplishes. Because there is a cosmic cooperation, let's put this way. And this is how, how it goes in our lives as well. When we simply live moment to moment and just using the mind as a tool, we get in sync with life and life supports us. Now, in contrast, even in the movie, you can see that like his girlfriend, she's full of ideas and ideologies. So for her, life is a constant fight, is a constant swimming against the current. And with that fight comes like a big struggle and a lot of neuroses start arising. At one point she even contemplates the idea of committing suicide in the movie uh, because of how disturbed she is. So you can, so I like using that movie as an example because you can see these two, uh, these two opposite ends. One in which you live moment to moment and fresh and you simply use the mind as a tool. And the other one, you are so identified with the mind and its ideologies and convictions that it leads to a state of neurosis. When I started practicing 20 years ago, I was in a state of um, very low self-esteem and I, I was very shy. I was very insecure and uh, I had a lot of anger in me. Um, I remember I started searching for a lot of answers and I couldn't find. I was very frustrated. And suddenly I found in my hometown, I come from the south of Brazil in a city called uh, Curitiba. And then I came across this Dharma center in which I, I, there was not only one or two, but three schools of Buddhism. 
and I decided to try them out. Actually, the very first one was the Indian Theravada, and I also tested uh, Zen, and my first connection actually came through Tibetan Buddhism, and that's where I met my first master, master uh, Lama Padma Santi. And I decided to give myself one year of practicing meditation to see what was going to happen. And during a meditation retreat, I had what I like to call my first aha moment. And in this first aha moment, I experienced the stopping of the mind. And when the mind stops, it's like your ego gets into a suspended state. And all of a sudden, you see yourself from a way broader perspective that you th didn't think it was possible. And then you see that all your suffering are created by mental scenarios that you are creating. And not only creating, but identifying with them. But because the mind stopped and, you s and I saw myself separate from those mental scenarios... I could see that I was beyond them, that my true sense of identity was beyond those scenarios. And in that very moment, all my frustrations, all my suffering stopped. It was not even a gradual process. The moment the mind stops, afflictions stop. It's not like, oh, there is a gradual process. No, the moment you disidentify it stops. And I was never the same after that aha moment. And all, and I think throughout all these years, um, I, have, I have had many aha moments, and uh, that kind of led me to live life moment to moment into awareness. And with that came a sense of fearlessness, because... I don't fluctuate anymore with the situations that the mind put myself into. And this fearlessness led me to change of careers, change of countries, and without ever looking back and without fear of failure or fear of um, disappointments. No, I just let things, let life guide me. And I just follow my heart. And I think this is one of the biggest benefits that meditation can bring. True freedom. And I invite you to test it and experience it for yourself. For a moment, stop, relax. See how life is constantly happen happening within you. Regardless of your ideas of what is right and wrong, your likes and dislikes, regardless of what you think things should be or should not be, life simply is happening within you and without you. And without repressing or refusing or denying anything, simply allow everything to be as is. You don't need to sit in a special position, you don't need to being a perfect place, in total silence. No, wherever you are right now, simply pay attention to the moment. 
and see how awareness and consciousness is constantly operational. See that there is a presence within you that is not fluctuating with whatever is happening all around you. Not even your mind can interfere with this presence. In our future episodes, we are going to be practicing that more. And we are also going to be looking at different methods that in Buddhism um, can cause the mind to stop through the realization of emptiness. So this concludes our very first episode. Thank you very much for listening. And again, our email is zenmeditationcafe at gmail.com. Uh, don't forget to subscribe and like our podcast so you don't miss a new episode in whatever platform you're using. Um, I hope this first introductory episode sparked a curiosity to learn more about meditation and Zen and how can this uh, benefit your ultimate mental health. Be well, be safe in Zen.